Thank you everyone for joining us today for the Mito Action Podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to Alex. Alex is one of our young adults who has LCHAD and she has a great story to tell about her experiences and how she has been able to maintain being a teenager and working through some of the difficulties of having an FAOD and how she looks forward to moving on with her college life. Uh, again, thank you for joining us and here's Alex. So I'm Alex and um, I'm 18 and I have LCHAD. And so LCHAD is where my body cannot break down fats and turn them into energy. It is a fatty acid oxidation disorder, which is a subgroup to mitochondrial disease. And um, it's basically the basic understanding of LCHAD. Um, throughout my life, it has uh, brought me many challenges as uh, uh, so many rare diseases do. And um, I've had quite a journey. So the start of it was um, when I was born, I had cardiorespiratory arrest at 36 hours old, and um, I had a oh. DNA diagnosis of LCHAD at one week old. So we okay. knew from the beginning kind of what I've had. So we've had something to blame, but uh, there wasn't really much out there. The doctor was pulling stuff off the printers to reach my parents, so it wasn't quite known at the time what to do about it and so uh, i know a lot of things like newborn screening now looks at uh, fatty acid oxidation disorders and mitochondrial disease so um that's definitely an improvement in uh, healthcare technology and mm -hmm. that has saved many lives and um my personal journey with lchad i um spent a lot of um, my childhood and now the hospital with illnesses. I couldn't really get over a common cold without having hypoglycemia. And one of the number one things is I cannot fast. So I needed oh. intake of sugars and food. And so an IV at the hospital was kind of the answer for a lot of my illnesses and things like that. Uh, but I was able to um, kind of play like a normal kid with all my friends. I was just like a car. I had to fuel up before I could go, but you know, try not to run out of gas because when you do that, then you're sunk. So right. um, that's kind of how I functioned. And then as I moved into adolescence, my body just needed a lot more energy and uh, just wasn't able to get enough to keep up. And so I ended up becoming wheelchair bound after about uh, four years of um, kind of a slow and then rapid decline of uh, function and muscle weakness from the LCHAD and not being able to keep up with uh, the stage of change. So um, right. whenever I was at my lowest point, I got on a trial medication and uh, I did a 180 and I was able to um, start gaining function again and being able to um, start building back muscle and things like that. And so I've been on a um, two-year uh, rehabilitation journey since then in June 2018 to now. And um, that treatment saved my life and I am now getting the energy I need. So I'm kind of uh, living my life like a high schooler. Uh, I'm in the band and I'm now a senior. Wow. So 
um, just looking forward to the future and achieving my dreams and um, managing El Chad along uh, with all it brings. Right. Wow. You've had quite the journey. Um, are you allowed to talk about the trial that you were on? Is that been a medication that's been released or are you still on it? Uh, yes, I am still on okay. it and it, it is FDA approved. So I assume it is public now. Um, it's called triaptanoin or now mm -hmm. Dejolvi is the commercial name and okay. um, so that trial I was in through a compassionate use and just this summer it was FDA approved so even more people can have the opportunity to try it. Wow good for you thanks for participating in that did you feel the effects of it right away or was it gradual? Yes so I really wasn't able to um, eat much food or anything. I was so nauseous all the time and um, so weak. And my first dose, I was hungry right after. I was like, wow, I just, I feel hungry. This is such a weird feeling. And but I like some Cheerios. And so uh, just as a snack, because I, which is so weird because I really wasn't right. eating food and all of a sudden I needed a bunch of food. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. So how do you manage now um, keeping your quote car full of fuel with all that you're doing? Like, do you have a timer set? Are you using electronics? Like, how do you remember when and what to fuel up with? So my main uh, fueling is my uh, Dejolvi supplement and that uh, really efficiently fuels my body. Um, by part of the carbon chain spinning out of the Krebs cycle and that basically maximizes the energy I can get from that certain fat uh, and turn that into energy. So um, that's really my main source of energy and I um, really have tried to put it with um, meals basically okay. to remember. So I uh, do a breakfast, lunch, dinner and before I go to bed um, so I can fast for as little amount of time from the time I go to bed to the time I wake up. Right. So it's pretty regulated with my food schedule. Um, so yeah, I haven't really had to set timers too much because my tummy usually tells me. <laughs> Do you have to um, watch the number of grams of fat that you still intake? So uh, I've never had to watch my grams of fat. It probably... Okay. Uh, it's just a different strategy. I look at the percentage of what I'm intaking and as long as uh, the total percentage is less than 30%, uh, then that's a food or something I can have. Um, I can have it if it's less than 30% of fat in that okay. particular thing. So that's fairly easy then for you to manage and figure out. And I'm just thinking about next year when you, are you, I'm assuming you're going off to college or school or something. So how you'll, you'll get to do all that on your own. Yes. And as long as the nutrition labels uh, <laughs> keep telling me what they tell me, then uh, they've made a change, which made me do a little more math now, but um, usually I know the foods I can't have and can have. And usually if I can't have it and I try it, I usually will feel bad. So I mm -hmm. kind of learned to not have that anymore. Oh, okay. So you, so you just get an overall feeling of like 
fluish feeling if you have something that isn't agreeable with with what you should have right okay wow so like I indicated before you are an amazing self-advocate you have really learned to use your voice and to participate in your care which I think is so important so tell us about that like how did that happen um, with you and your parents, did you and your mom have kind of a passing of the baton, so to speak, or I'm very curious how you did this. Uh, so from a young age, I was taught to self-advocate because I was in public school. And um, usually I would work with an adult or a nurse or, or something to set timers for juice breaks and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of throughout childhood, I was, um, kind of trained of, oh, at two o'clock I need my juice and things like that. Um, that kind of translated to later as I um, hit middle school to, you know, the school nurse really wasn't there for me all the time and I had my own schedule. So trying to balance, uh, making sure I had my Gatorade for sports and things like that uh, kind of really helped train me in I feel good when I take my meds, but if I don't take them, I feel bad and right. can't really do what I want to do. So um, I learned very quickly to, especially hitting middle school, is I cannot sit and talk with my friends too long in lunch because I need to make sure I get all this food in or I won't be able to think in math class later in the day, things like that. And so that sure. kind of has translated into, I've just... I've just been a little independent uh, since the beginning. And so um, naturally that's, I've just kind of taken on my stuff. And because I've had a lot of uh, mobility issues, it was very humbling to have my mom be my caregiver of everything that I needed. And um, I also grew to appreciate her more. <laughs> and um, right. as I've um, become an adult now, I, um, I've just started like doing my own medication routine by myself, learning how to take that on and responsibility and kind of being my own advocate in the hospital. Like my mom will always be there to support me because she has the history of 18 years of what it's like to watch me. But I have the 18 years of what it is to feel what I'm feeling in certain things. So we both oh, have like two that. different Yes, so we have two different point of views, and um, they're both um, very crucial for the process of advocacy, um, but I think she's kind of taught me a lot, and I can kind of take on what she's set an example for me, and, and uh, take that on to my independent adult life while also having her uh, for support. Great. I like that. I like what you said, that she has the 18 years of parenting you and seeing you, but you have the number of years of being you, so you get it just as well, but completely different perspectives, which is very important. Wow. So tell me, what do you wish people knew about being rare, like having a, a diagnosis like this? Like you said, they were, your doctor was just pulling things off the printer and reading them to your parents because he wasn't even that well educated at the time. Yes, so I think um, rare diseases, um, I was kind of thinking about this earlier, just um, as one with a disease and um, 
families and friends who are supporters of one with a disease. Uh, all these people are strong and warriors. And um, I think they're just having a rare disease is sometimes it can feel lonely, um, but mm -hmm. there's a wonderful community for each rare disease out there um, that can support each other. And I definitely recommend that. It's definitely helped me uh, feel less isolated. Mm -hmm. And um, I think also um, with rare diseases, friends, um, family who know about a certain disease and might find themselves in medical school one day and hear about this rare disease one class day, but they say, hey, friends, I actually know more about this disease and they can kind of teach the class. And then one day that doctor, you know, finds himself in a medical field and is taking care of someone with a rare disease and is like, Oh, not only did I hear that one day in class, my friend actually was able to go into more detail and I can better help you because I actually know something. And as someone with a rare disease, when someone walks in the room and they're like, I've heard of this. It's like, really? Oh my goodness, you can really help me. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. actually understand. Oh, what a relief. <laughs> yes, so uh, I think even friends and family can be great advocates as well for people with rare diseases in their own way. Well, again, you have been so inspiring with us when you speak to the group about um, advocating for yourself and living your best life. When you were talking with us this spring about COVID and band and all I kept trying to think of was, oh my gosh, how are they going to do wind instruments in a band? This is not going to go well. But you just took it all in stride and you seem to be doing great. So I'm so happy for you. And I'm so glad that we're all in the same group together. So I can keep learning from you because I have a, a young adult child with mitochondrial disease. And many times I find myself kind of somewhat quoting you or back to him on what you said and different things for him to try. And it gives me confidence mm -hmm. that that it's a doable goal, so to speak, or like, I know someone who's done this, so let's try it and see if it'll work. So it's Aww. been helpful for me. So thank you for being there for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make you embarrassed, but. Oh, no, it's like, wow, I didn't know. Alex, I would like to thank you for taking the time to speak with me and to let our listeners know about your journey with LCHAD. I hope all of our listeners will tune in to more Mito moments and hear from others and maybe learn some tips and tricks. Bye, everyone.